Welcome back to the Pathway Podcast. This week, join us for a special worship service celebrating the birth of the Savior of the world. Well, Merry Christmas. We are thankful that you guys are here with us this evening. Um, a couple things uh, that you need to know about me. Um, what you do when things don't go according to plan reveals a lot about who you are. When things don't go according to plan or when adversity comes, your response says a lot about you. For us, uh, my wife and I are coming up on our two-year anniversary. Uh, it's a low enough number that I don't get in trouble for getting it wrong. Um, but <laughs> two years, uh, we got married here at Pathway, but about two years to the day, tomorrow, um, I re- we all received a Christmas gift that we did not necessarily want. Of course, that was right in the middle of the pandemic. There was a lot of things going on uh, in our society and around us. And for us, uh, we were down in Dallas, uh, where my wife Allison and her family uh, is from. And we were unwrapping gifts. Um, We had had some exposure within the family. And we get to the last gift. And Miss Cindy, Allison's mom, comes forward and and tells us, she says... um, you know, I've got one more gift that I really do not want to give you. Uh, And I remember just the shock that came over all of us. It was the five of us, five of us, us, yeah, uh, in the house at that point in time. And all of us, there was just a silence. I I can, like, remember the the, the eerie feeling that was uh, just a wave and overshadowing over all of us. But the thing that always struck me uh, about that day um, and about all that happened um, through that period of time in our lives is what Miss Cindy did next. Is she was sitting there uh, by herself um, on the, in the corner of the living room. The rest of us were sitting uh, in, in, in the other part of the living room, and, and she says, you know what, before we do anything else, I want to stop, and, and I'm going to pray. And I remember we, we sat and we, we got to pray together, as a family, uh, we got to just kind of pour our hearts out about like the anxiety that was uh, was kind of at a simmer because you know how if you've planned a wedding, you know that it's already relatively stressful. So our stress level would, had gone from a simmer kind of to a boil for us. Um, but what struck me always about that moment was um, Miss Cindy and her reaction and how she responded to that um, mist of adversity. I remember asking myself, how can someone have that kind of peace in the midst of their problems? How can someone be so calm in the midst of chaos? And the answer in thinking about that that year and thinking about this season is hope. The answer is hope. There's a lot of ways that you could define hope, but the way that I would love for us to define it tonight is this, that hope is the confidence in the character of God. And hope is written all over the Christmas story, but it also comes with that story a lot of adversity too. And so where we're going to be tonight in Luke 1, what you need to know is we're introduced to a number of characters, but Mary, the mother of Jesus, is marked by hope. 
In Luke 1, we're introduced to a number of characters. We're introduced to Zechariah. We're introduced to, to Mary. And both of them had been visited by an angel from the Lord, Gabriel. And, and he had announced to them, uh, respectively, the, the birth of, of John the Baptist and of Jesus. But how they respond to their lives being flipped upside down is, couldn't be more different. Zechariah, he responds with unbelief. And the tone of the angel Gabriel changes on a dime. And, and what happens is uh, he, he silences him for nine months. Whereas Mary, she, she's not sitting there. She's not sitting there thinking, oh no, what are we going to do about the wedding? What is Joseph going to think of me? How are my family going to react? She responds and says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your will. And this is the sentiment that, that Mary has throughout the entire infancy account of Christ. All throughout the story of the infancy of Christ, Mary has hope. It didn't matter how her life was turned upside down. It didn't matter um, how Joseph was going to react. It didn't matter how, how uh, her cousin Elizabeth or other people in, in, her, in her small little town in Nazareth would react. She had hope. There was always this calmness and this peace to Mary. So the question that we need to answer tonight is, what gave Mary this sense of hope? Another way of asking this is, what did Mary know? You guys know the song, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would sing for all creation, is Lord of all creation? Well, the quick answer is she didn't. She didn't. It's why when, when Jesus runs off and teaches when he's a, a young boy and in the temple, uh, she, she reacts, she says, why have you done this to us, son? She didn't fully understand who she was dealing with in the person of Christ. And still yet, she did know something. She knew some things that gave her hope in the midst of, of adversity. And we need to know what Mary did. And so I believe that we get a glimpse of this perspective in the piece of scripture that we're going to be at tonight. And I believe that the song that Mary sings reveals what Mary knew about the character of God that gave her hope. And so we're going to read this in a couple of different spots. But if you want to turn to Luke 1, we're going to start in verse 46. And if you don't have it on your phone, it'll be up on the screen. But it begins in verse 46 and says this. And Mary said... My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble state of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And that's where we're going to stop for the time being my favorite Christmas movie, you guys know if you guys have been here, uh, we've walked through this series of, uh, of different clips uh, of some of our favorite Christmas movies. My personal favorite is The Polar Express. It's a um, story about this boy who jumps on a train and it's headed to the North Pole. And they're headed to the North Pole and what happens at the North Pole is that the first gift of Christmas is going to be given out to someone. And, and, and this little boy um, has... He's kind of conflicted. He doesn't know if he fully believes in Santa. But what happens is he's the one who Santa picks 
to give the first gift to. And so if you know, he's given this little bell that falls off of Santa's sleigh. And what you need to know uh, is that the way he celebrates that, that gift, the way that all the people, all the elves, all, all the, the children that are around him celebrate the first gift of Christmas is the very same way that Mary is celebrating this news of the coming Christ. We see that Mary, her soul is magnifying the Lord, is making great the name of who God is and what he has done. But more than that, it says this, he has looked on his, the humble estate of servant. Mary wasn't somebody who had a high social status. She was from a town, a little town in, in the middle of nowhere, and it's contrasted from Zacharias, who lives in a holy city and who is a holy man as a priest. Later in Scripture, it says that nothing good comes from Nazareth, but Mary lives there. And still yet, at the bottom of her social economic pole, at the bottom of her, her surroundings, God sees her. God looks down on her. What you need to know is that you can have hope because God sees you. You can have hope because God sees you. It doesn't matter where you are in your life or the, the circumstances that you have. It doesn't matter if you're from a small town or from a big city. God sees you and knows your heart and your circumstances. He sees you when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good, for goodness sake. God sees you. So the question that I have for you is, do you believe that? Do you believe that he sees you? And does him seeing you give you hope in who he is? And so we continue on. We'll pick up in verse 50. It says this, And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. And this is such a cool thing. This, this song that Mary sings is, is so unique because it, it, it canvases much of Old Testament scripture, much of Hebrew poetry. And so it's clear that Mary knew her stuff. But what Mary is talking about is, is there 11 different um, instances where she, he, she references something that God has done in history past. Right? She's, she's referencing and celebrating the things that God has already done on, on behalf of the people of Israel and the half, uh, on behalf of the people of the world. Mary is celebrating what God has done through generation to generation. And she acknowledges the strength of his, his power. She, she acknowledges that he has the power to do what he wants to do and, and, and work in the ways that he wants to work in the world. God's done this in times past. And what Mary knew is that God was at work in her life then. And he's at work in our lives now. And so you can have hope because God has moved through the generations, but God keeps his promises. You can have hope because God keeps his promises. God is who he says he is, and he sees you. And God has done and will do what he says he's going to do. 
He's moved through generations past. He's moved through all the histories of our, of our, of our world and of humanity. And he's working now in your life and in your family and in this church and the places that you go in your life every day. And he's proved it time and time again. My concern for us is that a lot of times we need him to continue proving what he's already proved to us, right? How many times do we need to make God prove who he is? We can have hope because God sees us. We can have hope because he keeps his promises, but the last thing that I want to point out from, from this, this bursting of worship, this bursting of celebration, this bursting of this prayer that Mary is praying, really comes from that first thing that she says when she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and rejoices in God my Savior. And there it is. Mary knows that the Savior is coming, Right? The Messiah that was promised is here and is, is on the way, right? And this isn't like um, the movie Elf, which is Allison's favorite Christmas movie. This isn't like Buddy running, running off from the North Pole and the little narwhal says, I hope you find your dad. This isn't that. We don't have to go to a distant land where we don't know anything. We don't have to travel and, and do good things to earn our salvation, you can have hope because God has sent Jesus for us. We don't have to run off like Buddy the Elf because he has come to us. He has come to us and, and, and laid behind the divinity, divinity and treasure of heaven so he could make himself as lowly as a servant to walk among men and to live the life that we couldn't. So we would have a way to have relationship with God and eternity in heaven with him. We can have hope because God has sent Jesus for us. And our responsibility is to respond to him. Our responsibility is simply to respond. And so... There's a lot of adversity throughout the Christmas story, but what you need to know is that Mary has hope in the character of God. But what I think is, is almost so, more, so much more powerful than this prayer is really the response that um, she has when she's given the news of a Savior coming, right? Her life is flipped completely upside down but she, she knows and rests in the hope that God sees her, that God has worked through the generations and he keeps his promises and that God was sending a savior in the form of a baby boy named Jesus. What's so cool is, is that her response after the angel departs, the, ne the very next thing that we're told is that she leaves to go visit her relative named Elizabeth. And, and, and she arrives and, and, and greets Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is, is 
excited. She's singing with Mary. And what Mary does next is so powerful because this is a very piece of scripture that we, we just want over. She breaks out in celebration. She breaks out in celebration. And this isn't just a celebration for herself. Mary knew about the hope of Jesus, but she also knew that people must know. People must know about the hope that we have in Jesus. People must know what a Savior coming to earth, lowering himself to be a servant, means not only for our eternity, but the eternity of all the people who we get to come in contact with. People must know that Jesus sees them, that he knows where, where you're at, that this, the things that you're going through, the circumstances that you have in your life is not a surprise to him. That God sees you. And he's made a promise to us that he will make a way for us to believe in his son and have a relationship with him, to be in eternity with him forever. He, we need to know, and people need to know, that he keeps his promises. And above all else, with this season, we have an opportunity to share the hope that we have because of Jesus with others. And people must know about that hope that we have in Jesus. Last question I want to leave you with is, how different would the world be if we were willing to share the hope and the light of the world with everyone we came into contact to. This Christmas, I hope that the character of God will give you hope and that you walk away willing to share the hope that you have because of Jesus and the light of the world in his son with others. And so... Growing up, I, I, it's funny because I, I, Jeremy was going to be here tonight, but for me, I, I've only, I grew up Catholic. I haven't really done but one or two uh, candlelight services. I always used to think it was really cool because of just the way the, the light would fill the room. We have Allison and, and Luke come up. But what you need to know about the significance of a candlelight service, the significance of what we're about to do as a church family is that light is meant to be shared, right? Light is meant to be shared. It's not meant to be tucked away and, 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 and put under a basket. It's not meant for us to, to pr- protect and hide for ourselves. Light is meant to be seen and displayed for all to see. And so when it comes to the hope and the light of the world in in King Jesus, we have a responsibility and we have the opportunity to share this light and to share the hope that we have because of Jesus with as many people as we can. And when we do that, the same light that we're holding in these candles, the same light that we have because of Jesus can fill a city. It can fill country, it can fill the whole world because we have the light of the world. So I wanna invite you to stand as we sing this last song. 
As you guys are getting your candles lit, I want to read this last piece of scripture. It says this in Matthew 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, it gives light to all in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven.